Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping product managers become product masters. Listen and get ready to take your career to the next level for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where you make your move from product manager to product master, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love, which is what we all want to do as product managers and innovators. For a topic, if you have ever had to explain what you do as a product manager to people you work with, you're certainly in good company. Many of us have had to do that and find it necessary. Further, this role means different things in different organizations. The leaders of your organization may have a perspective of the role that's not really accurate or more often what I found is they don't understand how to truly leverage the role, that the leverage that the role provides them is significant and they need to take advantage of that. In this discussion, we'll explore what organizational leaders need to understand about the role of product manager, but we won't stop there, as product managers should also have a clear understanding of the needs of their organization. This discussion will help you better talk to the leaders of your company about your role and help you to understand your very important role more deeply. To discuss the topic, I invited Kirsten Butzow to join us. She is a product veteran serving as VP Product Management at Pearson and Blackboard and has held other product roles. Now, she is a product coach for pragmatic marketing. You'll find the summary of our discussion at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 184. I hope you go there and check out the show notes. And now, to the discussion. Kirsten, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. Super excited to be with you today, Chad. Thanks for inviting us. Now we've had Rebecca, your marketing person there at Pragmatic Marketing, on the podcast here a couple times, each time sharing the results of your survey that you do each year. So that's probably coming up again pretty soon. And you're a product coach there at Pragmatic Marketing. That's right. And really anxious to talk to you and get this great depth of experience that you've had working professionally in different kind of sort of product roles and now interacting with people that you're training and getting insights into different kinds of organizations. So I want to start with the organizational perspective first to just know what kinds of questions we should be diving into. What types of organizations are you most frequently interacting with? My personal history is uh, in technology. So I spent over 25 years in technology before joining Pragmatic Marketing as a product coach. I was uh, vice president of product management and marketing, uh, working for organizations like Blackboard. So a lot of experience in education technology. Um, and then moving into pragmatic marketing, that's the sweet spot for the organization. Mm -hmm. So we really dial in on organizations that are technology focused and we train everybody. We work with everybody. Um, we work with um, Intel and IBM and uh, VMware, and we've had students from Google and Apple in our classes. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've uh, worked with organizations. I always think one of the most fascinating things about this this job is the number of billion dollar companies you've never heard of that mm. I get to work with. Mm. So um, I've worked recently with a, a multi billion dollar organization that does real time translation services, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and so we really get to see a very wide breadth and depth of uh, organizations, but always uh, pretty much in that technology sweet spot. Okay, good. So kind of technology centric. My background is software product management, software development. And I got involved with professional organization PDMA. That's how I found out about what what this thing was called product management, right? And no idea. One of these accidental product managers like many of us. 
And it was the exposure to other industries I found really interesting too, right? So even though maybe we might be kind of having a technology-centric context, I think anyone listening will find great value about the product management concepts that we are discussing. No, you know, it's true. Um, One of the concepts in educational technology in particular is this concept of digital natives and digital immigrants. Mm -hmm. And it's dictated by when you were born, right? So either you're a digital native because you were born when technology was at your fingertips. I myself, uh, probably maybe tipping off too much here. I'm a digital immigrant. We're both in that boat. Yeah. And so what's fascinating, and I'm very familiar with PDMA. I've actually spoken at a couple of their conferences, a great organization, What I think is really fascinating is it's a great point that you make. You know, we think of ourselves as being technology centric, but the reality of the situation is we're a technology centric uh, uh, society now. Everybody's got, you know, a supercomputer at their fingertips. Um, And so, yeah, maybe maybe I need to think of us more as an everyday lifestyle kind of company versus a technology company. It's true. Regardless of the product that we're developing, more times there's a, there's a technology or digital aspect being integrated as time goes on. So things apply more broadly, even in that context. For the organizations that you've been dealing with, I'm curious what some of the key pain points are and what is it they're trying to accomplish when they're seeking training? Uh, what are the pain points that you're running into that they're dealing with? You know, we really see some common challenges over and over again. Uh, and for anybody listening to this podcast, I'm sure that this isn't going to be remotely surprising to them. One of the primary challenges we hear people talk about is we simply have too much stuff to get done. Mm. We have too many product features we need to prioritize. We have uh, too many messages we're trying to put into the marketplace. Um, We don't understand organizational roles and responsibilities. We don't know where one role starts, where one role stops, what those points of exchange are. Um, We don't have clearly delineated and defined allocation of of activities and responsibility and accountability. And these are all those things that we just see over and over again when we go out and work with organizations. Um, And really, it's just kind of a byproduct of the fact that I think product management and technology, when you think about it, really still sort of is at its infancy as an industry. Um, It's really only been around for about 25 years. And that sounds like a long time. But when you compare it to like consumer product goods that have been around for 150, 200 years, it's not. And so I think we still are trying to figure out what's the right formula. Hmm. How do we allocate roles? How do we allocate responsibilities? How do we get clarity of definition? And then how do we prioritize all the things that need to be done? And that's really kind of in the sweet spot of of what pragmatic marketing does. And obviously the, the tool that we use or the blueprint or the framework that we use to help facilitate solving some of those challenges is the pragmatic marketing framework. A lot of those common challenges, right? It's we're too busy as product managers. How do we get everything done? And how do we work within the organization? And how do we have an understanding of a role, let alone the organization having an understanding of, of a role, which is often, I think, the more challenging aspect there. 100%, Chad. You know, it's funny. I have yet to work with an organization that says that they have more time, more money, more people and more resources than they have work that needs to be done. So I live for the day when I, when I, I always, I always joke that when I find that company, I'm going to retire because that's my sign that I need to hang it up, but I haven't found them yet. And so everybody's in the same boat. 
or maybe a sign you need to jump jump ship and go join them. I don't know. <laughs> if you find <laughs> right? them, you, let, let me know first because I, I, I think I, I I think I have to get a unicorn to ride around first. Right. The timeline of product management is interesting. I was at a meetup. Uh, this is now a couple of years ago. There was a panel discussion of millennial product managers, and one of them made the statement said, "You know, I've been doing product management for ten years, even before it was a thing, before it even existed." Right. <laughs> And when you look at the roots, most of us trace it back to around 1930-ish or so with Procter & Gamble, right? And their brand managers and what became. And then when I discovered PDMA, they just celebrated their 40th year, I think their 40th anniversary. But now I'm sure there's people listening and go, but this thing just popped up two years ago. It seems very new to so many people because it hasn't been in the headlines. Like occasionally it shows up in major big headlines now as a desirable role and, you know, as leaders of organization. And it seems really new. And yet there is a lot of depth behind it, a lot of knowledge that we can lean on to learn what is this role actually about? No, you know, I recently spoke at a conference and one of the things I said um, was I actually think, so I have 25 years of experience doing technology, mm -hmm. product management and marketing. And I'm really excited about this moment in time for our industry because I really feel like we're having a resurgence. And I really feel like um, product was kind of cool then product was kind of not. And I really feel like we're back at a place where product is kind of front and center and really cool again. And I think it's interesting that you talk about that timeline. Um, and as I'm listening to you talk, I think, I think some of it's driven by the fact that technology evolves, mm. right? And so, you know, uh, technology getting embedded in an organization, um, you know, my first job out of, out of college, I had a desktop computer um, and I had a green screen terminal that went into a mainframe. Okay. And just, I, you know, some people don't understand what a green screen terminal is. A dumb terminal, a dumb terminal attached to a mainframe computer back somewhere. And in it's a, literally a, a green screen. We don't have any colors on this except well, green. Well, it was black in the background with right. some pretty fancy green text. Yep. And, um... But it was a dumb terminal. But you know, to be to be fair, that was cloud based computing back then. Oh, it was huge, right? It was right. So and so, you know, that was important because now all of a sudden we were getting connectivity, and then it kind of became a routine thing and way of being. But then you've seen technology evolve, and you've got um, cloud based computing, you've got user experience demands, and so I feel like there's this real resurgence being driven by the evolutionary evolution of the capabilities mm -hmm. of technology. And so it kind of makes sense if you think about it, that it feels like a new thing again, when it's really just an evolution. Uh, and I think it's a natural evolution that's really mirrored and married to what we see for trends in technology infrastructure in general. Yeah. There's probably an analogy to fashion here. Yeah. I'm starting to see some new clothing show up. And I think back to pictures in the 70s and go, wow, there's a, a 70s resurgence going on very recently that I wasn't aware of. A lot of the things that seem new, like agile programming, you go back and talk to people that were doing aerospace defense, large projects in the late 50s, early 60s, when this all kind of started, right, as a programming thing. They said, oh, we were doing iterative programming. The things are being talked about today, we were doing, it's just that they've been packaged differently. And so something's kind of come back around. Yeah, it's really funny you say that. I recently cleaned out my home library. And one of the most fascinating things I discovered in there was the number of books that I own that center on some version of rapid development, right. iterative right. work. Here's the great part. Those books, the earliest print version was one on um, rapid, rapid development. It was printed in 1993. Yep. 
And by the way, what I really love about that book is it's a book on rapid uh, iterative development and it's 600 pages long. I think I have this book. I, I feel like it's a little bit of an oxymoron there, but <laughs> but it has. I, th I think a version of this conversation has been around for quite some time, yeah. for sure. I think I have that same book. It, it was The one I have was written by a, a software engineer at Microsoft. That's it. I, I, yeah, I can't that's think of his, yeah, I can't think of his name, but it's yeah, that's exactly super valuable. Yep, right? it was written by a Microsoft engineer, yep. No, and when you look at some of the graphics in that book, they're actually graphics you could uh, lift and say we're agile today. Right. Absolutely. Fascinating. Very interesting. The organizations, technology organizations dealing with these common challenges, not enough time as product managers, organizational role, role responsibilities. And we've talked about this a little bit kind of in terms of has this changed a lot or not? Things cycle back and forth some. But I'm curious in the role of product management, but to focus on that. Have you seen changes in that in the last few years or not? You know, what's really fascinating to me that I feel like is happening, and this is just anecdotal from my observations mm -hmm. of being out in the industry, is it almost feels to me like, you know, when I started my career, I found that technology product managers had this tendency to be very technology focused. Hmm. Then there was a big push to move them into being business leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you might hear terms like the mini CEO for their product kind of thing or the general manager of their product. Um, and that's actually the, the direction or, or my, my preference, my leaning is that a product manager is a product leader and really acts as um, the general manager of their product. Mm -hmm. But with the um, overlay of uh, customer experience driven um, initiatives with things like UX, UI, so user experience, user interface, I feel like we are in a bit of a tug of war right now in our roles. And I feel like product managers are finding that they're kind of getting pulled over into engineering or technical perspectives a little bit more deeply again, because mm. people are wanting them to have this perspective on design. Right. Uh, and I feel like a lot of that is because, you know, when Agile came along, it required that there were certain roles that should be determined to help really facilitate Agile. Mm -hmm. For example, a product owner, right? Mm -hmm. The product owner being a distinct and separate person from the product manager that is supposed to reside as part of the, the uh, development organization as a subject matter expert. Well, organizations wanted to adopt Agile, but they didn't want to add headcount. So right. they saw that title of product owner and they looked around their company and they said, oh, well, there's somebody called a product manager. We'll just make them the product owner too. Right. And so by default, when we started doing stuff like that, we started pulling the product managers back over towards engineering. And then you had design. Design's a key component of Agile as well, right? We not only have to um, uh, conceive what we're going to build, but we have to design and prototype it. And so again, we didn't have this tendency to run out and hire army of designers. And so product managers found that they started filling in these these gaps. And so I feel like me personally, what I would love to see is I feel like product leaders have started to get pulled over into that development or engineering part of the organization again, because of all these kinds of things happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. I would love us to staff those things properly if we're really going to be agile. And I would like to pull those product leaders back into a true leadership position. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a real tug of war that's on the table right now for us as an industry. And honestly, I don't know who's going to win. Right. I, I think so, too. The I've seen people pulled both directions towards engineering more strongly and sometimes consolidating that product owner, product manager role or having it separate, which has its own other set of, of issues to deal with and advantages. 
and also people being pulled towards the marketing side. One organization I've, I've mentioned before, as they adopted Agile, they hired new product owners and they moved their product managers to product marketing and moved them out of the you know engineering development side. And a lot of interesting things going on. And at the same time, we are starting to see more product VPs being part of the C-suite. Yeah, that's true. It's really fragmented. Yeah. The, the good thing is there's lots of momentum where we have not had a lot of momentum in the product space for a while. No, and it's an interesting point you're making because as I'm listening to you talk, I also feel like sometimes they get pulled into a sales enablement role oh, sure. or a sales, a sales support role. Yeah. And I think a lot of times they get pulled in the direction that is the natural leaning for an organization. You know, I see technology organizations that are engineering driven, technology organizations that are sales driven and technology organizations that are marketing driven. Right. Sometimes it's because that's who's sitting in the C-suite and the background that they come from. And so there's a, there does sometimes seem to be a real natural tendency to put product managers into whatever that natural leaning is without really thinking about what is this role really? What is the essence of it? What should it be? What's the definition of this role versus let's just use this as a supplemental role to whatever natural leaning we have as an organization? Yeah, and I want to explore that a little bit further with you about how organizations think about or should think about product management and vice versa, how product product managers should be thinking about their organization and those connections. So let's start with organizational leaders. What would organizational leaders wish they knew more about product management and innovation or need to know more about product management? What should they know or what do I want them to know? <laughs> I'm going to go with what do we want them to know? Here's my dream. I have a dream. Um, my dream for organizational leaders for product management is this. We need to really rationalize all the work that needs to be done. And when you break it down at its core, what we know is this. Somebody has to be responsible for understanding the problem that needs to be solved in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. In other words, what is the problem that needs to be solved and who has that problem? That should be our lighthouse. I would love if that's your product leader mm -hmm. and your product leader then is the person who's really responsible for setting the strategy, setting the business planning, setting the strategic direction and tone for how we're for, for, for understanding that what and who mm -hmm. I want that data to get handed over to the rest of the organization to design the products, to build the products. And the way that I think about that is the how. So I'd love for the product leader to be responsible for the what and the who, and they give that market context to the rest of the organization to mm -hmm. drive the how of the design, the build, the customer validation, the test, all of those things. However, that only works if we actually give the product leader the time and ability um, and allocation of resources and, and activities and the assignments to do that work. Because if we don't get clarity on who's doing what, what has this natural tendency to happen is the product leaders find themselves getting pulled in lots of different directions. And so I'd love us to have a very clear delineation and perspective. And then I'd like us to really be um, very legitimate and real with ourselves and how we allocate those activities that need to get done and who's actually doing that work. Um, and so that's probably the number one thing I would love for organizational leaders to know and think about is there are, you know, going back to the pragmatic marketing framework, there's 37 activities on the framework. They all have to get done. One person can't get them all done. Mm -hmm. So let's have a rational conversation about who's doing what, 
Let's agree as to who's doing what. Let's ensure that they're qualified to be doing that work. And then let's prioritize accordingly. And now that we're all marching together in the same direction. And that's one of the things I would really like us to rationalize uh, in our industry. Okay. So product leader being really responsible about understanding what is the problem we're solving for customers and uh, getting clarity about that and helping to set that vision. Absolutely. And then converting that into the actual activities that are going to get done with allocation of accountability and responsibility. Okay. But, but Kirsten, I'm confused. We, don't we already have a sales organization? Don't, don't they know this? <laughs> Does it, don't they know? <laughs> they know what the customer wants. Well, oh, I understand what you're asking me now. Well, yeah, sure they do. They know what one customer wants that day to get one deal. Right. Uh, and I frankly think that's a fairly risky uh, strategic uh, uh, disposition for the organization to have because you're now setting your strategy based on one sales opportunity at a time. And eventually that's going to bite you because it's just not going to be scalable. Right. Uh, I know we've all done it. We've all been there where we develop some key piece of functionality to get a big contract mm-hmm. and we either don't get the contract or we do get it and the client never uses it. And it's this rogue piece of functionality that becomes a regression testing nightmare in perpetuity because it's not scalable. Uh, and so, yeah, I want to embrace sales and I want to hear what they're saying and I want to help drive revenue for the business, but I want to do it in the context of an overall strategy where we're going after markets full of customers versus one customer at a time. Yeah, very well put. And unfortunately, we've both worked, with, I'm sure, with very large organizations who have this problem. Allegedly. I've only oh, allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. Good good <laughs> good clarification there. Not not only is it not scalable over time, we're missing out on bigger opportunities. There's synergies that take place in marketplaces that we're missing out by developing solutions for individual customers. It's important to have someone responsible for this, and that's our product leader. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute. This episode of The Everyday Innovator is brought to you by Product Innovation Educators, your one place for online training to make the move from product manager to product master. When you enroll in one of our online courses, it's like having Chad McAllister as your personal coach. In each course, you get video lessons, added resources, and a private community for collaboration with other product managers and innovators. And, of course, you get direct access to Chad, who will answer your questions and get you heading in the right direction. Past students tell us the concepts, practices, and tools are valuable, but the real benefits they gain are being more confident, increasing their influence in their organization, and generating greater success for themselves and their company. There are four levels of training to become a product master. Find your level now. Get started by going to the everydayinnovator.com forward slash master. Your one place to become a product master. The everydayinnovator.com forward slash master. Don't wait. Get started now. What do you wish the product managers, product leaders understood more about the needs of their organization? One of the numbers, so this is just again me talking personally. Mm-hmm. So my predisposition is. Uh, a belief that our product leaders should be product leaders. And that means that they should be business leaders, general managers. Um, As a result, I think it's critical that they have basic financial acumen. Um, As we have uh, found ourselves pulling product managers back over closer into engineering roles, 
Um, I, I find that I come across a lot of product managers who don't necessarily have any business background. They don't know how to read a product line P&L. Hmm. They don't know how to calculate a gross margin. They don't know the difference between fixed and variable expenses. And it's really difficult to truly run a product line that is responsible for delivering certain financial goals to the organization if you don't actually know how to track and analyze those goals. Um, I mentor, uh, I actually have my MBA from Arizona State University, and I mentor MBA students at ASU. I live in Phoenix. And um, one of the number one things that I encourage them to do is if you're going to go in a product manager role, you have to take a finance class. Hmm. You take it online, take it for free, do whatever you want to do with you know Coursera, but you have to have no basic uh, financial acumen because at the end of the day, if you're going to be responsible for running a P&L, you got to actually know what a P&L is. You got to know what the components are. You got to know how those calculations are made, or you just won't, you're flying blind for, mm-hmm. for the, the contribution that your product's making to the organization. That's a good point. And to an extent, that's the language of the business. That's right. One of my hats is also teaching project management for a university for IT people. And the, I always tell them that as IT professionals, your success is going to depend on how well you can relate to people in terms of the needs of the business. And you better be able to talk about the business in terms of the business objectives and not just, you know, database entries and mobile apps that you're developing and kind of the technology speak that IT people often talk in. So understanding the business language is important and applies to product managers as well. 100%. So I'm also curious about the connection of product management to the organizational functions. So I've ran into instances where product management is thought of in a very narrow perspective. Like, oh, those are the people that do the requirements for our products. Not only is their role not understood, but they're not integrated. They're not really working with marketing. They're not really working with sales. They're not really working in in any meaningful sense with development or engineering aside from providing requirements. What about this cross-functional nature of the role? Have you seen that working pretty well in the organizations that you're associated with? Not, not real needs there? Or do you see product managers need to step out a little bit more and develop these relationships? I mean, I've seen both. And again, it, it boils down to the conversation that we were pre- previously having. And here, here's where it really the rubber meets the road. And again, you know, just, just by default, because I work for Pragmatic, not because I'm trying to push the framework, but it's just a nice calibration for the conversation, is the way that I think about it is, there's those 37 activities that need to be done, right? For the successful management and marketing of your, your technology products. Who's doing what? And I would actually contend that the product leader's role is to ensure that all 37 activities are being completed, but they themselves may not personally perform each and every one. For example, maybe they don't perform the pricing calculations, but they have a partner in the finance organization that provides pricing information. Um, And so it's really critical for us as an organization to get clarity on who's doing what. And then what I want to ensure is that the product leader is leading a cross-functional team with a single point of contact contact from every functional area of the business that has responsibility for delivering on one of those activities, reporting on what they're doing, being accountable, having metrics, having objectives that need to be met, and doing that in a regular cadence. Maybe it's a monthly cross-functional team meeting. Um, So everybody's got to be accountable to everybody else because you're going to win or lose together. Everybody's got to have clarity as to what, what each person's doing, and it's the product leader's role to ensure everything's getting done and making sure all of those pieces come together. Um, 
you know, people liken it to a, a conductor uh, leading a symphony. I love that analogy. Probably an even better analogy is uh, a couple years ago, I saw a speech that Ken Norton gave at uh, Mind the Product Industry event. And he actually took that analogy one step further. And he talked about the product leader actually being a member of a jazz ensemble because jazz is about on-the-fly iteration to create this great product. And it's less sequential feeling than a conductor in front of an orchestra, but the concept is still the same. Um, and so, you know, that's the way that I think about it. It's a, I think that video is out, out on the internet somewhere. If mm-hmm. somebody wants to look it up, it's a, it's a great presentation and an a, analogy, I think, for, for uh, what we're talking about here. It, it is. Way back in school days, I played in a jazz ensemble and, and there's improvisation that takes place and you're all moving the same direction, but you, you improvise as needed along the way and, and, and in jazz because it's also cool. So Right. But there's somebody who's setting that tone and setting the pace. And I think if memory serves me, the, 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 the talk that he gave, I think it was maybe Miles Davis. I don't remember. I'm not a jazz aficionado by any stretch of the imagination, but um, he set the pace, right? He set the pace mm-hmm. of the music and, and then the group all knew what their roles were and they all kind of improvised. And somehow, some way they end up with, you know, get Grammy award winning records. Right. Yep. Do yep. you, do you think I need to explain what a record is to, to, um, <laughs> are we good there too? We, we, we I got, mean, since we I got the green screen, with, right. Since I started off with mainframe and green screen, I, um, I'm dating myself right and left, Chad. Like you said, this was the future of the cloud. So there you go. Very, very important. Okay. This is excellent. Uh, one more quick question. I'm just curious about if someone is one in that product manager role now wanting to become more involved really in driving the strategy of the product as we've been talking about a product leader, but they don't see themselves as a product leader now. And they recognize that their organization, their peers don't really see them as a product leader, right? They're doing too much tactical work. Maybe what advice would you give them? How, how, how can they start moving towards product leadership? Elevate, elevate yourself. Nobody's going to give you that. You, you don't sit around and wait to be anointed. Uh, step up and make it happen for yourself. Um, drive the organization by bringing market data to the conversation. Have great clarity about the personas that you're trying to please. Understand the problems that you're solving. Um, start your conversations with market data versus people's opinions or professional experience or the loudest right. voice or highest paid person in the room. I think the number one thing, um, you know, I really think about strategy and I think about strategy boiling down. I think we like to overthink strategy. It's one of those loaded words. Um, but it, the essence of its being, to me, it really kind of boils down to our, our ability to answer two key questions. And that is, um, who are we going to delight mm-hmm. and what are we going to build to delight them? And if we've got that nailed down, then the rest should fall into place pretty, pretty easily. So if you want to assert yourself into that product leader role, have the answers to those two questions, because there's a finite number of uh, answers. And that really should be the light post for the organization. Don't sit around and wait, somebody, wait, wait for somebody to give you uh, the authority. Just uh, make it happen. Yeah. And those are two good questions. Who are we going to delight and what are we going to do to delight them? And being able to have answers for that will set you apart and put you into leadership. Excellent. And as everyone knows that listens, I love innovation quotes. I asked you to bring one for us and tell us us about that. What do you have for us? So one of my favorite quotes that I like to use, and I'm going to paraphrase the quote, uh, is from Carl Sagan. Uh, And one of the quotes that Carl Sagan uh, said was, reluctant mutators often perish. 
and I know that that's a little bit of a mouthful. Uh, so if I want to refer to the to the more simplistic version of that quote that Tom Peters actually um, did a riff on, it was, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance less. And I think in today's day and age, when we think about innovation and we think about um, the pace at which things are moving, the reality of the situation is this. If we don't evolve, the evolution is going to happen with or without us. So we may as well be part of it or we'll probably likely get left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with a lot of organizations that know they need to move forward. They want to move forward, but they can't find a way to move forward yeah. because they won't solve for these problems that we've been talking about today as far as role clarity and ensuring somebody has very clear perspective on on answering those two key questions of who we're going to delight and what we're going to build to delight them. And as a result, it turns into a running in mud exercise where advancement just never seems to happen. Um, and the, the the world is riddled with examples of this, right? You've got the, the, the very traditional examples people fall on it with the Kodaks and the Blackberries of the world. Um, if we aren't constantly and actively and programmatically and proactively engaging in the market, the market will pass us by. Mm-hmm. And that really, to me, is the essence of innovation. Hopefully, as product managers, we have some internal wiring that at least lets us embrace that, if not lead it, right? So, to right. not be the reluctant mutators, but to be the ones to recognize, wow, I just met someone with a new need that's not being met. I bet we could figure out a way to meet that need for them. Right. Don't be a reluctant mutator. That's the, that's the moral of today's podcast. No reluctant mutators here. We should grab that tagline. This is excellent. Really good information. Appreciate you spending time with us everyday innovators and sharing that. How can people find out more about the work that you're doing with Pragmatic Marketing? So obviously you can visit our website, pragmaticmarketing.com. I think more interesting, however, is if you get out on your LinkedIn page, uh, type in Pragmatic Marketing as a company uh, in the search bar up top. I guarantee you know somebody in your personal network who sat through our training. We've trained 150,000 people worldwide. Uh, to me, if you want to learn about pragmatic marketing, probably the best source is to call up one of your friends who's gone through the training and ask them about it. So surf your LinkedIn um, and uh, see who you find. Reach out, have a conversation with them. See what, uh, see what they have to say. Kirsten, thank you for the information and spending time with us today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Chad. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where you make your move from product manager to product master, gaining the influence and confidence you need to create products customers love. Find the summary of the discussion with Kirsten at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 184. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at theeverydayinnovator.com.